Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, another championship for the city of Las Vegas. Can the Raiders be next? We'll talk about that, plus a whole lot more. Coming up on Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for June 14th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast to get the latest edition of the show. Of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, as always, we definitely appreciate you and we appreciate my man Ari does a great job putting us up on YouTube each and every day, making sure we're looking good and sounding good. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. We definitely appreciate him. And of course, you can check me out on Twitter. Hit me up at your boy Q254 and the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. Always wide open like some old school TV antenna at 707-654-4693. Your calls and texts are coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, we'll talk about championships and Las Vegas. First, it was the Aces. Now it's the Vegas Golden Knights. Could the Raiders be next? Well, we'll talk about it. That'll come up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. And uh, with the Raiders, there wasn't a whole lot of news and notes to get to. They did have a media session with assistant coaches, both on the offensive side of things and defensive side of things. I wasn't able to be there. I had some meetings at the radio station I had mentioned on Tuesday's show. Wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get out of them, and I wasn't. And the simple reason is because the Vegas Golden Knights were playing game five of the Stanley Cup Finals with an opportunity to win the championship, which they ultimately did. So we had to make some plans accordingly. I mean, again, on the program director, not only of Raider Nation Radio 920, not only ESPN Las Vegas, not only of Fox Sports Las Vegas, which is the flagship station for the Golden Knights, but also 1230 of the game as well. So four different sports stations. So I got a lot of responsibilities on my helmet that I got to make sure I take care of. So as much as I'm focusing on the silver and black, I definitely have other duties that I have to do as well. So wasn't able to be at those uh, media sessions with the offensive coaches or the defensive coaches, but Scott Turner, passing game coordinator, spoke Edgar Bennett, wide receivers coach, Bo Hardegree, quarterbacks coach, Kennedy Palomalu, running back coach, Jerry Slipinski, the tight ends coach, Chris Ash, defensive backs coach, Rob Leonard, defensive line coach, Antonio Pierce, the linebackers coach, Jason Simmons, defensive backs and passing game coordinator, and also Carmen Basillo, offensive line coach. All those people, all those guys spoke with the media on Tuesday, and it wasn't uh, the, your normal media session where they go to the podium, they answer questions, it's broadcast on YouTube. It wasn't any of that. It was more like almost an after-game type scrum where it's like when you were in the locker room and we just all have our recorders and it's kind of a free-for-all. You just see somebody and you go up to them and start talking. That's how it all went down on Tuesday. So, again, I wasn't able to be there, but my guy Vinny Bonsignor, he was able to send me some sound from a couple of the coaches that I wanted. And I was really interested in Rob Leonard, but he wasn't able to catch up with him, and that's the defensive line coach. But offensively, he did give me Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach, and he got me about 11 or 12 good minutes. I'm not going to play all of it for you, but I do have about five and a half minutes of Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach. Again, the offensive line was a big question mark. Going into the season last year, they ended up help leading Josh Jacobs or helping Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushings with over 1,600 yards. So they did a better job than most of us expected. What will they look like in 2023? They got some more depth. Obviously, they have some more experience. And it looks like a unit of five already. And they could just go ahead and have some more competition to see if someone could get you know any of those spots. But for the most part, they could go into the season in 2023 
with who they had last year. But here we go with Carmen Basillo, offensive line coach. Vinny leads off the whole question and little group session thing with a question about starting from scratch in 2023. Everyone's kind of starting from ground zero at this mm-hmm. start. There's an element of that. But uh, I, I would imagine last year was the epitome of ground uh, zero with this offensive line and new coaching staff. How much further along would you say that, that, that you guys are at this point compared to last year? I think the biggest thing is is when you have, like you, you're describing, the continuity would be an understanding of what expectations are. But by no means are you ahead. You have to pay it. You can't just say, okay, building on what you did last year. You know, okay, they know what an ace block is, but the work in doing an ace block, you have to pay that. So we're at the same exact spot we were last year at this year, which is working on our fundamentals and communication with one another and understanding our assignments. And then there's new assignments. It's not like, okay, hey, this is the only thing we're going to do. This is the offense. Like, there's new things to learn and, and grow on. So you're always in, in, in a state of, of improving. I, you know, old coach is saying you're either green or you're, and you're growing or you're ripe and you're dying. Like, right. you're always trying to improve. So it's not like... Um, okay, hey, listen, we've reached that status. We haven't, so um, by any means. Carm, you guys brought back a lot of the same players from last year. Something that Coach McDaniel said is, you know, improvement doesn't necessarily have to come from, you know, addition in terms of bringing it back. What, what goes into improving this unit that you have in terms of a lot of the guys that started games last year trying to continue to push the uh, There's a lot of thought as we look as soon as the season's over, coaches obviously catch your breath for a second, and then you're right back to it, and you look as an individual individual player, you look at the unit, and you look at the offense, and, and we as coaches then are meeting and putting on our input. As you look at an individual basis, what is their technique, what is perhaps their body composition, what is their injury status, and you're going to try to improve on that. As a group, there's themes that you'll say, boy, gosh, I wish we were better at this. Man, we really did well at that. How can we maximize that? What plays do we have to run to maximize what we do well? Um, so then you kind of continue to grow and build, as we kind of already talked about. But you look at it as an individual basis, not a unit basis, and say, all right, what do we need to improve on? Because absolutely there's plenty of things that we need to improve on. It doesn't matter where it is. Like I said, it's that one year from the next doesn't matter. You've got you've to put in the work each year to be able to have success. And are there specific areas from last year that you feel like you stood out in terms of things that you were like in on coming into OTAs and training? Yeah, absolutely. And then that's part of that conversation that you have with your players of, hey, listen, you know, being honest. Like it's us in a part of that other Going back to the other answers, you close the door and it's us. It's us in the room. We have honest conversations like X, Y, Z. We, we stunk at. We need to be better at. Or, hey, you know what? I really appreciate how good you were at this. I want to get everybody else to do this if it's an individual. Um, but I mean, I'm not in the business of helping my opponents. Last year, you guys, uh, it took a while for you guys to settle on a starting five. Um, so it went into the season, uh, actually. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you go into this season still, I mean, with that kind of uh, a mindset that there's still jobs that are open, starting jobs that are open? Yeah, I think. I think there's a lot of competition in in, in, in this business. And a part of that, of getting your best out of somebody, is, is, is battling complacency. But, I mean, truly, to say that there's competition, that's a reality. And, and the room knows it. Like, like, we are in competition. Absolutely. And, who, you know, the best five. But you know at our position, too, it's not the best five. It's going to be eight or nine. Gosh, we went to the Patriots. We were playing, what, guys that we, you know, had been here and left and brought back. And, you know, so, um, you know, you, you can't count on, on any one thing. So you got to make sure you have plenty prepared. But, yeah, there's plenty of competition in the room. And the guys that recognize that, they're, they're not ignorant to it. Thayer Munford, um, just visually looking at him, he looks like uh, he's put on some good weight and uh, 
typical going from one year to the next. Yeah. Um, how has what's your been your assessment so far of him? And could he is he a candidate to, to be somebody that ends up with a starting job? I, mean, I think they afforded himself well as a rookie and have an opportunity to play over 300 snaps for us last year. But that's last year. So you know, I, I, it's funny for me. I've always seen you guys know I was such a long time college guy, and I thought, boy, you know, when you send him. You've done on your part, and then you realize even a guy like Thayer, who comes from Ohio State, and it's a tremendous program, and and, and, and they take you know training seriously. I've seen the maturation and the physical development of these guys, you know, Dylan and Thayer, and, and the guys just from year one to year two to year three, and, and he's doing his part like the other guys are. But I'm certainly he's a, you know a, a part of that conversation of you know competing. I mean that's you know. Is there any possibility of guard for him at all, or is he strictly tackle? <laughs> I, I would say that you know if I could predict the future, I, they'd pay me a lot more money. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we've got plenty of competition. Well, are you open to that? Go, so. I, 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 him I wouldn't say that's something that necessarily we think about, but right. you know, we're not against anything. You know, I mean, we can play guys almost anywhere. So people are around. So there you go, Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach for the Silver and Black. Just a few minutes of the media session that he had on Tuesday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and uh, you hear talk about the competition, talk about Thayer Munford right there. A good question that Vinny asked, and that's a guy that we've been paying attention to a lot at OTAs. He just just looks like he's a little bit bigger. Uh, obviously, they brought back guys like Jermaine Illuminor, Colton Miller. Of course, he's a steady, steady. Dylan Parms in year two now. So uh, there should be improvement on that offensive line, which, again, helped lead the league in rushing as far as leading Josh Jacobs to the rushing title in 2022. Also, wanted you to hear from Jason Simmons, defensive back and pass game coordinator. Uh, he's, he's a guy that's very important as the Raiders secondary has to be better than it was in 2022. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he's in charge of a lot of that when it comes to the defensive backs. So he's starting off talking about, he's responding to a question about competition at camp so far and how it's going. It's been great. It's been great. Just uh, that guys enter into the room and they know that it's competitive. That's the thing. That's the best That's the best part about it. I mean, that was, that was defined from the head coach to uh, the coordinator. You know, and, and we carry that message in the room. You know, the best guys will play. Everybody will get an opportunity. And we're excited to see what happens. And having last year be a year where obviously a lot of it was due to injury, but you had a lot of guys, um, different guys starting games. Did that kind of did that kind of help you when it comes to letting guys know that, like, you know, there could be an opportunity here at any given moment? That's really just the message of the National Football League. You know, we're no different than any other team, you know, from, you know, the team that wins the Super Bowl to the teams that don't make the playoffs. You know, you, you have to learn that, that everybody has to be ready and everybody has to be ready to contribute. And, and coming into this year um, with the defense, obviously, as a collective, you guys to take a step forward. But for the secondary in particular, where do you feel like you guys need to improve most going into this season? Uh, the things that we've talked about is, is really communication. And, and discipline, and that's once again that that's, that starts with Coach Graham, and that's the entire defense. So it's, it's effort, communication, and discipline, and that goes not from the secondary; that goes from from the front to the linebackers to the back end. Some of those that, at least in my opinion, jumped out a little bit in OTAs was one of the rookies you guys brought in, Ja'Cory and Bennett. Um, how, how has he sort of made an impact early on just, just with his presence in the back? Ja'Cory's got an opportunity just like all the rest of the guys. Uh, he's looked to make the most of his opportunity. He's a smart player. Uh, he fits right into the room. Uh, all those guys help each other. So, I mean, that, the, the beautiful thing is, you know, a rookie coming in, you know, the veteran guys that he's competing against, hey, they, they put their arms around him and they try to help him and then he tries to help them on what, they, what he sees as well. Nate Hobbs was making a position change, uh, then he also got hurt. Um, how much uh, could you attribute some of the, uh, you know, struggles when he came back to just kind of learning a new position and, and, and the setback that he suffered when he got hurt? 
you know, anytime you, you lose or that you miss time, that that has a, you know, it's always a struggle when you get back to get your feet underneath you. That's no different than any other player in the league. Uh, in terms of position change, Nate's a defensive back. So anytime you're on the back end, I mean, whether that's corner, whether that's star, whether that's money, whether that's safety, we view it all the same. A lot of those are mirror jobs. Nate knows all of those jobs just like the rest of the guys. Uh, Duke Shelley also, taking back again, what Tashawn said, in terms of players that have kind of stood out so far in OTAs, um, what's your impressions been of, of Duke so far? Uh, Duke is... Once again, he's just like the rest of the guys. I mean, Duke Duke is, is eager to compete. Uh, Duke is smart. I mean, I just think that's what the group is. That that right there is the identity of the group. Everybody gets an opportunity of looking to make a play. Another guy that kind of stemmed from the Hobbs question, uh, Trayvon Moore, you know, he's a guy that got hurt early last year. He was also – he didn't make a position change, but he went from a scheme there. He's pretty much single high every play to having to move all around the field with two guys. And he said when he spoke to us, he, he never felt like he was you know, truly comfortable in what he was doing. What, what sort of steps has he taken this offseason to get to a better place where he is more sure about you know, his role within the season? I think in, in order to really uh, get the most out of yourself, I think he understands what's going on around him. I think Pat has done a really good job of, of teaching, conceptual teaching, where guys understand what, you know, like what cog they are in the wheel and, and how that's going to help us win and just understanding what's going on around you. So there you go. A lot of questions I have in the secondary. Who's going to step up to be cornerback one? Is it going to be Nate Hobbs? Is he playing in the slot? Is he playing outside? Can Trayvon Merrick on the back end, can he step up and have a much better year three than he did in year two? And, you know, Chris Ash, who also is the defensive backs coach, he really works with the safeties, was asked about Trayvon Merrick on, uh, on Tuesday. And he really, and I have the sound from him, but it wasn't really good. He was really quiet, and he basically said he wasn't going to talk about anyone's development, which is basically the reason why he's there. <laughs> right? I mean, it's basically the reason why he's there is to kind of give some feedback on the players, on the team, and all that stuff. But he didn't really want to speak on Trayvon Merrick or any of the players in general, like specific. So uh, it wasn't very good. I listened to it, thought about bringing it to the table, but I didn't think it, it was too much there. So he didn't say a whole lot, but you can hear what Jason Simmons had to say about the defensive backs. So I uh, thought that was a couple good media sessions, just a few minutes from each guy, both Carmen Basillo and Jason Simmons. Uh, again, had Antonio Pierce, had uh, Chris Ash, uh, but thought that the, the ones that I brought you, the offensive line and Jason Simmons, were better than those. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed those competitions. Just Or not competitions, but conversations. Just being able to hear a little bit of what was going on on Tuesday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center since it wasn't something that was broadcasted on YouTube. It wasn't something that was played over the radio. It was just strictly guys that were there were able to talk and record what they needed to. And uh, the other little nugget that I had for uh, segment number one is just news and notes around the NFL. And that's just the bizarre situation going on in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs. Uh, he basically is at mandatory minicamp. At least he was for his physical on Monday. He wasn't there on Tuesday, but he's in the city. They say he's not upset at his contract, and he shouldn't be. They just gave him an extension last year. They also kind of bumped up his, his signing bonus for this year. So it's not money that he's upset about, but it's something going on that he's upset about and was not present for mandatory minicamp. Head coach Sean McDermott said that he's very concerned. Von Miller said it's not a big deal. Josh Allen says he loves them. It's just really bizarre. And you know the Buffalo Bills have a high expectation to go deep 
into the playoffs, just like they were supposed to in 2022. It didn't happen. They lost that game to the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, the last image I remember is Stephon Diggs basically with some terrible body language towards Josh Allen on the sideline like he was upset about the offense and how things were going. So I don't know if that's still hangover from that, what's going on, but some bizarre stuff, I should say, is going on in Buffalo with the Bills and Stephon Diggs. So that's the story that we'll definitely continue to monitor. But that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, the Aces got it done in 2022. The Vegas Golden Knights got it done on Tuesday night in 2023, only six years into the existence of the organization. Two championships in Las Vegas. Could the Raiders be next? How could the Raiders make themselves next? We'll talk about it coming up in segment number two after I tell you about the title sponsor, which is FanDuel. And now the NBA Finals are over. The NHL Stanley Cup Finals are over. It's still a great time to make a fast break to FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. All new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, which is up from $1,000. So that's $1,500 extra dollars in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And I know... Basketball's over. I know hockey is over, but baseball's still going strong. USFL is in the final week, so it's going strong. It's going to get wrapped up sooner rather than later. There's all cut golf. U.S. Open is going on this week, so that's something that you could place bets on. Futures in the NFL. There's always something that you could place your bet on, and FanDuel's got you covered. Again, America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get that no sweat first bet up to 2000 $500 at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to talk about championships and Las Vegas and the fact that Las Vegas is becoming that sports capital. Right? I mean, it's great to see. You saw the Aces, owned by Mark Davis, win the championship in the WNBA in 2022. And I know a lot of people poo-poo on the WNBA and say that it's not a real sport. It's not a real league. I'm here to disagree with that. I think the Aces are a fantastic watch. And the WNBA is actually a lot of fun. I enjoy it. But it is a championship, and it's a professional team, and it's here in Las Vegas. Boom. A year later, all of a sudden, the Vegas Golden Knights, only in the sixth year of existence from the organization, First year with head coach Bruce Cassidy, and they win a championship on Tuesday night. The city of Las Vegas was electric all night long. Uh, I was at the house, and I could feel the electricity. It was just something to be had. It was great to see, and it was great for the city of Las Vegas, and also it's great for all the sports fans in Las Vegas. And really, I believe it's a good sign for Raider Nation as well because it's showing that it can be done. A championship can be won in Las Vegas, and it doesn't take a whole lot of time. The Aces won in 2022, first year with head coach Becky Hammond. The first year. Mark Davis went out, spent the coin, got a really good head coach. He came in, won a championship, and I get it. It's basketball. Basketball's a little bit different than the NFL. Actually, it's a lot different than the NFL. So the Golden Knights, they've only been around six years. They go to the Stanley Cup Finals in year one. They don't get it done. In year six, they do get it done. Their owner, Bill Foley, he said when the team was existed, when it first came about, playoffs in three years, Stanley Cup champions in six, and they exactly hit on that. Now, I will say the expansion draft, they gave VGK a chance to compete immediately, which they did, making the Stanley Cup finals right away. But 
again, it's showing that it could be done. Things could happen quick, fast, and in a hurry. It doesn't have to be a slow build process. And I know when we're talking about the silver and black, we're talking about the Raiders. It's been a slow build process for a very long time. We get this. They, they have moments where they, they start to look good. They get to the playoffs, then they take a couple steps back, right? I mean, it's just been one of those things. Ever since their last Super Bowl appearance, there's only been two playoff appearances. And again, I've talked about this so many times, and I know what GM Dave Ziegler is trying to do. I know what head coach Josh McDaniels is attempting to do, uh, assistant GM Champ Kelly. I get it. They're trying to build this thing. They're trying to build it the correct way where they have an opportunity to compete, where they can be the next professional team in city of Las Vegas, hoisting a championship. They want to hoist that Lombardi. I know Mark Davis wants to win that Lombardi more than ever. And I honestly believe with these two championships under the belt for the city of Las Vegas, it's going to put a little bit of extra pressure on the Raiders. And I know that they won't come out and say that, but they're paying attention. Josh McDaniels has opened up multiple press conferences shouting out the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Uh, there's been multiple players. There's a lot of players that have been in attendance at the Stanley Cup Finals, right? They had like 50 guys there uh, one night. I believe it was Stanley Cup Final game one, number one, as a matter of fact. There's like 50 guys there from the Raiders all enjoying that atmosphere and checking out that, that championship. And sometimes that's something to be said. Right? It's something to be said to watch a championship you know, happen and watch a team go out and, and, and win a championship. And you know, it was one thing when the Aces won it, and a lot of the Raiders were there to support them as well, including Darren Waller, who obviously is dating and is now is married to Kelsey Plum. So he was like there firsthand. He was even on the, on the parade bus going down the strip, right? I mean, he was that much into celebration. Obviously, Waller's now in New York with the Giants, but he saw that taste of that championship. Now they're seeing that taste of that championship with the Vegas Golden Knights and with the Golden Knights winning it in Las Vegas. All the Raiders got an up-close-and-personal experience with it. Devontae Adams has been at the games, right? He was uh, ringing the siren. I forget what the name of it is, but they, he was he was ringing that, right? I mean, he was very heavily involved. He loved the atmosphere. It was so loud when he was talking to a reporter, he couldn't hear anything that they were saying. So he's seen a championship right in front of him. You think that that doesn't drive him to want to get a championship? Now, I'm not saying that this is also going to turn into the Raiders winning a championship, but I do think it puts a little bit of heat under them. Like, hey, okay, the other teams here in the city are getting it done. Where are you guys at? Right? And, and, and I say this, and it's funny. I've done a little bit of research as the Denver Nuggets won the NBA Finals on, uh, on Monday night, and I had multiple people on my radio station talking about that championship from Denver, and I asked straight up, like, does that put extra pressure on the, on, on the Broncos to go get it done? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Right? That's the reason why Sean Payton was in attendance. That's the reason why Russell Wilson was in attendance. They wanted to be there to see what a championship DNA looks like. So now the Raiders are seeing what a championship DNA looks like. And they have to know, and obviously these guys that come over from New England, they know what it looks like. They've seen it. They won plenty of championships there in New England, not as the, as the guys in charge or the head coach, but they are there. They're part of the process, so they know what it looks like. They've just got to identify it, and they've got to make it happen for the Raiders. The Raiders have to be a team that wins a championship. They can't be the one team sitting in Vegas that's not a winner. And the reason I say that is look at UNLV. UNLV is not a winner, right? The basketball team is a team that can't even make the, the NCAA tournament. The better basketball team is the women's basketball team. They made the tournament, and they lost in the first round to LSU, who went on to win the championship. Uh, and then the football team isn't worth the salt. Right? They stink. They fired multiple coaches. They're up to Coach Barry Odom now. Maybe he'll bring something over from the SEC and be able to get them back on track. But they can't get anybody at Allegiant Stadium. They couldn't give those tickets away to go check that out. Again, this city is not going to go for a team that's not a winner. 
right? They're just going to sit there. And, of course, other fans of other teams will come in and watch because they want to come to Las Vegas and hang out anyway. So that's fine. It's not like they'll ever have a problem, you know, with, with ticket sales. But that's not what it's about. When we're here on the podcast, we're talking about a, a, a football team that we all expect to win and we all want to see them win. Well, please believe they need to be a winner, right? I mean, all eyes are on them. Like, hey, what, what are you guys doing? Right? You've been here long enough. Right, if, if Becky Hammond could get it done in year one, Bruce Cassidy can get it done in year one for VGK, why can't Joshua Daniels get things turned around? Why can't he get this team headed in the right direction? And look, they don't have to be a Super Bowl champ immediately. I get it. It's hard to win a, a, a Super Bowl. It's not, you know, and, and I know it's hard to win a Stanley Cup as well, and, and it's hard to win a WNBA championship, but I feel like the, 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 the harder struggle is definitely with the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, you've got 32 teams and everyone's competing for the same same trophy. You have a tough division that you're playing in. Right. You obviously don't have the best quarterback in the division. So they've got a, there's a lot of work that they have to do. But it, it just shows with two championships under the belt in the city, it can be done. It can be done. I'm not saying it's going to be done immediately, but that's the task at hand. That should be the standard. Like Bill Foley said when he took over the Golden Knights, when, he, you know, when the team was, was, it came into existence, he said three years playoffs, six years Stanley Cup championship. He said that's the standard. He set that standard from day one. I would love Mark Davis to come out and say, hey, you look, this is the standard. We're going to be the next team, the next professional team to hoist a championship. The Las Vegas Raiders are going to win a championship. I would love for him to come out and say that, not to put extra pressure on the coach and the GM, but just to let it be known, like, that's what, we're, that's what the goal is. We're going to do everything and exhaust every effort to win a championship. As soon as the Golden Knights won their championship, my mom texted me immediately and was like, all right, Raiders are up next, right? That's, that is the expectations, and that's what the fans' ex- expectations should be. You know, we're talking about just make it to the playoffs, just win 10 games, try to make it to the playoffs, and, and, and see what happens. No, the standard should be win a championship. That's, that's, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Now, of course, a consistent trip to the playoffs will help you do that. But at some point, the standard's got to be win a championship. It really does. And now that other teams are getting it done, I promise you, <laughs> everyone's looking at the Raiders. And, and I feel like without saying the pressure's on you, you've got to go get it done. They've got to go get it done. They've got to go show that this team can be turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry. These guys that they brought in by way of free agency, the way the guys brought in by way of draft, they've got to start panning out. They've got to really start playing at a high level. And if Jimmy G's not your quarterback, and if Aiden O'Connell's not the quarterback of the future, you better go get that guy. You better find that guy that you feel like you could build around, like Nate uh, said, Nate, our Steeler fan who called in on Tuesday's show. You know, hey, if, if Aiden O'Connell's going to be the guy, build around him. If he is going to be the guy, build around him. Make sure you have the weapons to help him win while he's on that rookie deal. And if he's not the guy, identify that pretty quickly as well and go find the guy. Right? That's your job. That's Dave Ziegler's job. That's Champ Kelly's job. That's Josh McDaniels. Identify if this guy could be your long-term dude. Identify if Jimmy G can last the whole season. And if, that's not, if, if, if neither one of those are the case, then you got to go find your guy. Right, So sooner rather than later, they've got to be able to identify. They can't go year after year after year after year. That was the biggest fear that Raider Nation had when they moved on from Derek Carr is, okay, that quarterback carousel is going to start rolling again. They cannot have that happen. They've got to identify their guy quick, fast, and hurry. If you get your quarterback, you have a chance at winning that Lombardi and hoisting it up. If they want to be like the rest of the teams in the, in the, in the city, like the, like the Aces, like the Golden Knights, you've got to have your quarterback that you believe can go win it. And you've got to be able to build that team around them sooner rather than later. There's got to be a little bit of sense of urgency, a little fire in their backside 
to go get it done after what they saw happen on Tuesday night right in front of their faces that they were witnesses to all of it as the Stanley Cup rests in Las Vegas. That's what I got for you for segment number two of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast. Your feedback is always welcome. 707-654-4693. That's the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. Segment number three, your calls and texts is coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts draft that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Before we get to calls and texts, I want to check out this tweet that I got. It was funny. The Aces sent out a tweet, said Realm uh, United. And it's a uh, congratulations, Golden Knights, on winning the Stanley Cup. And it has... Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, and Kelsey Plum all on it. And then it has the Golden Knights as well, led by Jack Eichel on it. So it's like three of the Aces, three of the Golden Knights, and it says it's United. It's, it's really cool. So I said, well done, Aces and Golden Knights. And I remember what I was talking about segment number two about the Raiders winning a championship. My man Lawrence tweeted and said, let's go for the trifecta. Cough, cough, Raiders. So again, expectations. Those are the expectations now. They're raised. The bar is raised when championships are won. Now, all eyes are on the Raiders. Are you going to do your part? Are you going to fulfill that trifecta? That's what I was talking about in segment number two. Uh, Lawrence, thanks for that tweet. I do appreciate you. Let's go ahead and get into a call from Raider Beck. He's calling to talk about Josh Jacobs and what he thinks would be ideal as far as signing him to a multi-year deal. Here he is, Raider Beck. Hey, Q. It's Raider Beck calling in regards to Josh Jacobs. Yeah, if we can get him signed for a two- to three-year deal, that would be ideal, in my opinion. Can't replace him. Um, every And I said this on a previous call. Every time Zamir White came in to, uh, came in to do some plays, I, it was like negative yards almost, whereas Josh Jacobs was, you know, getting us four, four to five yards a carry. Um, so he cannot be replaced, in my opinion. I agree with you. His leadership can't be replaced, and he showed that he could play really well under Josh McDaniels, which is not the case for some of the players. Um, so to just get rid of him is foolish, in my opinion. And, again, if we could sign him to a two- to three-year deal, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, love to hear your thoughts. Take care. Thanks so much, Raider Beck. I do appreciate you, and uh, thanks for the call. Two- to three-year deal, I think that's definitely reasonable. Honestly, I think that's what more running backs should do, get a two- to three-year deal. And it's funny, I've been discussing this a lot on my radio show, Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm even thinking that if you're a first-round running back, instead of getting a four-year contract with a fifth-year option, maybe you just get a three-year deal, right? A three-year deal with a fourth-year option. You know what I mean? So, so maybe they, the running backs have an opportunity to hit free agency a little bit earlier. It's just it almost feels like being that first-round running back is, is a curse, you know, because then they have the opportunity to get you for five years, plus they can franchise you for two more years, which would give you seven. Now, the Raiders, they didn't, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Jacobs, so they only get him for four years, but they still can franchise him for two more years. So that's six more years that they really want to, and there's not really a whole lot he can do. So I'm looking at it, man. If you're a first-round running back, maybe you should only get a, a three-year deal to start with, right? And, and, and no fifth-year option, so they have to allow you to get to free agency or at least, at least hit you with the franchise tag in your fourth year so you still have an opportunity to go and get a bigger payday. Something's got to give. I don't know how they're going to do it, but something has got to give. But as far as Josh Jacobs specifically, uh, I could definitely see like a two- to three-year deal, maybe two years fully guaranteed, 
and then revisit it after two years. I'm sure he would go for something like that. You know, maybe it's two years, $25 million fully guaranteed. I don't know, right? I mean, the franchise tag is $10 million right now, so I'm assuming that he wants a little bit more than that. So if he gets a two-year, $25 million deal, that's – you know, $12.5 million per year, fully guaranteed. That's a hell of a of a pay increase from the $8 million he would have got on the fifth-year option. But again, that's just me thinking out loud. Raider Beck, thanks so much for that call. I appreciate you. Next up, got a text from JV in Washington State. Say, what's up, Q? It's JV from Washington State. I've been a Raider fan for 40 years. My son followed me to the dark side. Even though he hasn't got to see much greatness in his 27 years of being a Raider fan, he still bleeds silver and black, just like his pops. We're both big fans of your show and listen every day. We got to go to a Raider game last November, and we met up with you at the Torch. It was a highlight of our trip. Thursday, June 15th is my son Blake's 28th birthday. You can give him a shout-out. That would be that would make our day. Keep up the good work. Raiders. That's from JV in Washington State. And uh, Blake, happy 28th birthday a little early. <laughs> I know it's only the 14th today. Uh, I'll try to remember to give you a, a birthday shout-out at the top of tomorrow's show as well. But if I don't remember, happy birthday, man. And uh, keep up the good work. You know, keep on rooting on the silver and black. At some point, they're gonna they're gonna reward you for that that faithfulness and that loyalness. Uh, so make sure that loyalty, I should say. So make sure you uh you keep on following. But uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. I do appreciate you. And again, happy 28th birthday. Uh, let's get a call in from Chef Raider in the 860. He's calling to talk about my Kirby sales remarks I made on Tuesday's show. Here's a quick call from my guy, Chef Raider in the 860. What's going on, Q? What's going on, Raider Nation? It's your boy, Chef Raider 860. Hey, man, um, real quick, I just want to say shout-out to you for um, just listening to today's uh, podcast. And it's like second or third time I've heard you make this reference, and I'm sure not a lot of people catch it, but uh, – Shout out to your um, Kirby salesman experience. I, too, used to sell Kirby's, and you are absolutely right. If you can get – I mean, I, the way I used to see it is, like, if you can get in the house, you're pretty much good to go. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, like, you know, I don't really hear so many people, especially in this day and age, talking about, you know, $2,000 vacuum cleaners that weighed, like, probably the same amount of pounds. But, anyway, um, I just thought that was funny, and I wanted to chime in on it. I'll talk to y'all. Peace out, Raider Nation. Chef Raider, thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you, oh man. I appreciate you. And yeah, I mean that was that was the saying, man. When you work for Kirby, it was like just show the ve- the show the machine. It's like a vehicle. Show the machine three times in one day, and you're gonna sell one. Guaranteed, you're gonna sell one. And the commission was great on a two thousand dollar machine. It was like eight hundred something dollars. Right. I mean, it was a really good commission. So, uh, yeah, if you show it three times, that was the motivation. Just get into three houses. The thing just about sells itself. If you got a personality and you're, you know, you're, 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 you got a pulse, you should be able to sell it as long as, like I said, you get into three houses. And we all know that I might not have much of a pulse, but I got the personality. But, uh, yeah, that once I got in the house, it was easy. It was my biggest problem was trying to get in someone's house. It's not every day that a dude that looks like me comes to your door and is like, hey, let me come vacuum one of your rooms for free and shampoo it. And you're like, okay, cool. This isn't a scam, <laughs> right? Because I know that's what I would say, right? If I showed up at my door, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm good, doc. <laughs> Thanks, right? Especially with some sales pitch on, well, you know, I'm, I'm a kid that goes to school and I'm just trying to get college credits to show this up. Like, that's how, that was our pitch. It was absolute BS, but, you know, it was what we tried to do to get in just to show the machine. And once we showed the machine, it sold itself. And people that, you know, didn't, didn't think they wanted anything to do with it all wanted it by the end of the day. Some were able to buy it, some were able to flip it, and some weren't. But 
Like everybody wants it. So that's that was the beautiful thing about it. Can't believe all these years later I'm still talking about Kirby Sales, but there you go. It's one of those experiences in life that you never forget. So Chef Raider, it's always great to hear from you, my man. I hope you're doing well. Uh next up, I got time for a couple more. How about a text from Nick in the OC? He says, Hey Q, great discussion about younger Raider fans and older fans like myself. Fortunately for me, I was eight years old and just got into football when the Raiders won their first Super Bowl. My brother and I watched the game in a small two-bedroom apartment on a black-and-white TV with no remote control. Our parents had to work two jobs to survive in Orange County, and watching the Raiders with Matuzak, Lester, Haynes, Stabler, Plunkett, Howie, Marcus Bow, etc. was incredible. But you pointing out that our younger kids and fans never seen these great players is really eye-opening. So I don't blame the young fans for trying to protect Carr's number. But only if they knew that Carr wouldn't be a top 10 of all-time Raider players. I'm not sure if he'd even be top 20. Where do you think Carr would rank as a Raider? Thanks for a great show and time. That's Nick from OC. And Nick, thanks for the text and great story of uh, the first Super Bowl experience that you had, you and your brother. And uh, shout-out to your parents, man. It's not like they worked really hard to make sure that you guys had it, had what you needed. As far as where Carr would rank all-time, I think it's it's funny. I think it just depends on when you watch the Raiders, right? Because there's players that like I'm my favorite player is Charles Woodson, and there's some fans that'll tell you, oh, he wasn't even the greatest cornerback. He was a great quarterback. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, but others will say, oh well, man, old man Willie Brown was the guy, or Lester Hayes was the guy, and even though he's not in the Hall of Fame, and you know, what I mean, I just I feel like it's so hard to just rank guys. Uh, individually or and say, you know, what number they're at because it's really about what you saw. You know, like people always say, well, what would be your your uh, your your Mount Rushmore for the Raiders? And for me personally, I mean, it's only four guys. So you know that the Raiders have had more greats than four. So if I'm looking at the Mount Rushmore alone, I mean, Derek Carr's not on it for me, but he was the best quarterback that I saw for a long period of time for the silver and black, right? I mean, you, you saw Rich Gannon. Obviously, he was the MVP, took the Raiders to the Super Bowl, so he was most successful, but I saw Derek Carr's body of work, right? I mean, so he was the guy that stabilized the position. So I would say that Rich Gannon was actually the better quarterback that I saw because he got him to the Super Bowl, but Carr had the the, the longevity with the silver and black. But as far as, like, even looking at just the top four, when I think of Raiders and I think of Mount Rushmore, I would obviously start with Al Davis, I put Marcus Allen up there. You know I'm putting Charles Woodson up there, but that's already three, <laughs> right? So who else am I going to put up there? I got to put Howie Long, right? Okay, well, I put up Howie Long. What about Tim Brown? You know, what about Bo Jackson? I know it was a small sample size, but, man, he was great when he was out there. You know, there's so there's just so many guys, and then that's not even talking about the offensive line. That's not talking about uh, any other corners besides C. Wood, and you know that the Raiders had a bunch of great corners. It's just it's so wild, so... I can never, ever, ever pass that test. So I, I would do you a disjustice if I said where, where Derek Carr ranked all time with the silver and black because, I, like I said, I never, ever get those things right. So thanks so much for that text, though. I do appreciate you. And if you want to chime in on that, maybe just give us your Mount Rushmore. Maybe I'll do that on the radio later on this afternoon, the Mount Rushmore of Raiders to you. Right. And it's all generational as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I think that's the conversation I'll have on the radio show later on this afternoon at two o'clock. Radio Nation Radio 920. Nice cheap plug for the show. Let's wrap up with a call from Raider Eddie in Denver. Always like hearing from Raider Eddie. He's calling to piggyback off Jordan and Oregon's call from Tuesday, talking about point differential and really how good the Raiders were last year, as opposed to how good they were the year before when they went to the playoffs. Here's Raider Eddie in Denver. Thank you. What's up? This is Raider Eddie in Denver. Just want to piggyback on Jordan and Oregon's call today, uh, Tuesday's call. I thought he had a great call. He was talking about, you know, how good were we really last year? 
when we went six and eleven. How good were we really the year before when we went ten and seven? It seemed to be mathematically like, you know, we might have gotten a little lucky two years ago, and then last year that luck uh, worked against us. And that and that's why I always kind of pound the table for point differential. And I and it, I feel like every time I say point differential, people want to dismiss it, but point differential is, is truly just a very easy way to see the overall strength of the team and to make a prediction as to uh, how good they can be the next season. And it kind of, what, what it does is sort of mathematically equalizes out um, uh, those those lucky, fluky plays that can give you a win some years and uh, the next year could easily result in a loss. So Point differential two seasons ago, 2021, we were like negative 65 overall on the season. Last season, we were about negative 30-something, I think maybe negative maybe 35. So by those metrics, we were a better team last year than the previous year, maybe by about a win or two. You know, it wasn't a, a massive difference. Um, now, of course, it didn't play out that way because of the way we lost uh, some big leads. But... Um, the metrics are very easy to follow with point differential. And just for the people that want to dismiss point differential, uh, I will say again, point differential is not more important than wins and losses. But point differential is a better and easier way to mathematically filter out probability and fluky plays and determine how good was a team really. You know, and that, that's really it. Um, I'm not a mathematician, but I am a math teacher, so I'm kind of, you know, I understand uh, how the levers of math work in general. But uh, there might be some others that want to chime in and might even have some better stats. Uh, I'm just going to say point differential. It's a very easy stat to follow, and that's another reason why I like it is because even if you're not a math person, it's it's very easy to look at point differential and, and to determine, you know, wow, that, that year was fluky, and then that one – you know, was was about right. Okay, thanks, Q. Talk to you later. Raider Eddie, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And I'm not sure who dismisses point differential. That shows a lot. It really does. And it's funny, I had a lot of guests on my radio show and even on the podcast they called, that would say that, you know, I don't think the Raiders are going to be that great this year because their point differential in 2021, even though they made the playoffs, was terrible. It was bad, right? And so a lot of people said, oh, they're just haters. They don't ever want to give the Raiders credit. They're going to be great. And even I fell for the banana in the tailpipe with the 2022 team because of the addition of Devontae Adams. I thought, man, this is going to be a great connection between Carr and Adams. They're, you know, rekindling that old, that old relationship that they had at Fresno State. The offense is going to be able to compete with anybody. You know, this, that, and the other, yada, yada, yada. You know how it goes down. So I, I fell for that, but realized at the same time that the point differential thing is a real deal, right? And it does tell you a lot. And so it, it's, it's, it's something that I'm not going to dismiss, and I don't know why anyone would dismiss it. I'm sure that they do. Uh, but then again, there's fans that think that, you know, their team is going to go 17-0, and, and I'm not, this is not exclusive to Raider fans. There's just fans that think every team is going to go 17-0. and all. Man, my team is great. They're not going to lose a game. They're going to be the highest-scoring team in the league. They're going to this and that. And the other. No, not really. Now, the Raiders were 12th in scoring last season. At one point in the season, they were, they were ranked as high as third. And then they had a massive drop-off. And the year before, they were ranked really high. And then they had a massive drop-off towards the end. So something about sustaining their scoring ability as the season gets later 
longer in the season. It's something that the Raiders just struggled to do. So that point differential, Raider Eddie, that is a real thing. I'll never dismiss that. I'm not a big analytical guy. I'll tell you that right now. Math is not my thing. But I do know the point differential does mean something. So, Raider Eddie, thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have a text from Ernesto in Inglewood. More calls as well off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693. I'm going to try to remember to shout out my guy. I'm going to check it right now. Shout out my guy, Blake, for his 28th birthday on the 15th, even though we're already talking about it here on the 14th, but it's all good. We'll do that anyway. We'll have more news and notes to talk about. Of course, we'll have plenty of conversation here. Maybe we'll continue with the Mount Rushmore conversation, something we can carry over to the podcast so thank you Raider Nation for all the feedback it's always great thanks for making the show your first listen of the day we appreciate you shout out my man Ari I produce I appreciate him as well as he holds us down make sure we're good on YouTube you can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces so until tomorrow Raider Nation take care of yourself take care of your family love on your family most importantly as always just win baby